we're com- we're just a couple of days now away from uh, the kickoff of the month of June, which is really celebratory, obviously Pride Month for the LGBTQ uh, movement, activists, you know, etc. Um, and and yet God, His word doesn't change. Um, he's unchanging and he still calls us as his sons and daughters to really embrace and live in um, humility not to live in um, uh, in pride and the celebration of that which God calls sin Uh, my father had me outside on this summer day uh, and without really having any idea what was going to happen within moments he had shared with me of his desire to become a woman Uh, By the time I was 13 with developing young, there was a lot of enviness that my father had for me, which was very hard. I felt like I had to stuff down being a girl. I couldn't show uh, my femininity in front of him because that's what he wanted, that it would uh, possibly make his feelings uh, arise. There was so much jealousy for who I was becoming as a young woman that that's what grew intense. Uh, And then, of course, when he began to wear my clothes. Where we're at in culture today really lies at the feet of the church. Uh, it's, It's not the world's responsibility to be salt and light. It's the church's responsibility to be salt and light. Hey, everybody. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us for this uh, time of Love and Truth Network podcast. Uh, I am so excited for uh, you to meet a dear friend of mine and a ministry partner. Uh, Denise Schick has been doing work in uh, this ministry space for many, many years. And again, she's just been a dear friend to me and to Melissa. And we just have huge respect for her. She's an author, uh, both of um, books for people who are wrestling and struggling and some of the topics we'll talk about. Denise will talk about that, but she's also uh, authored some books for um, for kids uh, in this arena too. And and we're so grateful that she's doing that. There needs to be a lot more out there. We need many more resources for kids and youth and teens um, as well as adults. And so the more that uh, that people can respond to the urging of the Lord to write and and really bless uh, who we are as image bearers of God in our maleness and in our femaleness, as we can write about the glory and the beauty of binary gender uh, and doing things, doing sex and doing relationships and doing life God's way. That really is the the pathway for human thriving. It isn't only about um, uh, standing on truth. Of course, that's foundational. Truth is foundational. If we lose that, we lose everything else. But it, this is really about knowing that the way that God, the designer has made us is what leads to human thriving. So today we're going to be talking with Denise about a topic uh, we're going to be discussing throughout the month of June in our podcast, which is um, humility and honor. Uh, it's a it's a theme. It's an initiative that we came up with um, as Love and Truth Network uh, staff, and we've just wanted to have not only a response for uh, the month of June, where there's so much confusion, there's so much throwing off of um, the good image of God and the the directions uh, that God leads us into, but um, 
uh, where there's just, again, a lot of confusion, but it's not only for the month of June. It, it progresses kind of throughout the year. So this will be an evergreen theme uh, that we keep going uh, and, and we'll be bringing back up again this theme of humility and honor, which God calls us to within the body of Christ. So um, having said all of that, Denise has been a friend for many years. I was once the Northeast Regional Coordinator for Exodus International, uh, which uh, back in that day, back in that time, was an amazing organization. Uh, it had been an amazing organization for um, 30 years, um, 35 years, something like that, and really only... Um, uh, went downhill in the last uh, year or two of its existence. And, um, but Denise and I had been, and also Melissa, my wife, uh, we'd all been connected really through that, um, uh, the beautiful ministry at one time of Exodus International, and so grateful for what it once was. And we're also grateful for um, Restored Hope Network that really um, sprang up from a number of ministries that had to leave Exodus International because it no longer represented an orthodox view of, um, of human sexuality. And so Restored Hope Network, we've been um, thankful for that. Denise and I served on the board of Restored Hope Network uh, together as well. And that was a joy. So I am, um, again, very excited for you to meet Denise. Denise, thanks so much for being here today. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's, it's great to connect with you uh, again. I miss all of you. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it's always a joy whenever we get to bump into each other at a conference or do an, uh, do something like this. So, um, Denise, I would love uh, if you would uh, be willing to share for whatever, 10 minutes or something. Um, if it runs a little bit over than that, that's fine. But just to share uh, your story. And then uh, when you're done with that, I do want to um, just make sure that we give people an opportunity to know how to connect with you, uh, what some of the books are that you've written and those kinds of things. Uh, and then we'll kind of dive into our topic a little bit more. But if you could just share your story a little bit and fill people in a little bit more on who you are and uh, the ministries you lead and all that would be great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Uh, so my story really began when I was that nine year old little girl. Uh, my father had me outside on this summer day uh, and without really having any idea what was going to happen within moments, he had shared with me of his desire to become a woman. He shared with me how I would know when he was feeling this way, uh, what he would be doing behind the scenes. And I really thought as a child, that's dad, we're two separate people, this won't impact me. And that's really, Gary, where I think children aren't able to process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that part of it. it. What does this actually mean for me? Because it does, it changes things. Mm-hmm. And it changed the fact of, well, if dad's really a woman, then who's going to give me away at my wedding? Who's mm-hmm. going to teach me what to look for in a young man to date? Uh, and from there, I also began to grieve that loss. So while he's sharing this, these thoughts are going through my mind, but I'm thinking, I don't have a dad anymore. Hmm. And grieving that loss silently. uh, And I say silently because I really didn't feel I could go to anybody. Uh, I was trying to protect my mother who was sick often with migraine headaches. And I thought that I would just make her sick if she knew what dad had shared with me. And I had younger siblings to protect. But by the age of 11, You know, I started to second guess God and wonder if God, maybe he did make a mistake. Maybe dad should have been a woman. Uh, But with that trap that we can fall into, uh, I began to think, well, if God made a mistake with dad, then how do I know that I'm supposed to be a girl? Hmm. How do I 
know that I was not supposed to be a boy and just kind of fell into that trap for a little bit of time of confusion about who I was and, and uh, uncertainty that, that I had in the middle of this chaos. Um, but uh, through that uh, journey, God had really brought me uh, to the point where I was feeling more secure about who I was, which praise God, um, you know, that he had done that. Uh, by the time I was 13 with developing young, there was a lot of enviness that my father had for me, which was very hard. I felt like I had to stuff down being a girl. I couldn't show uh, my femininity in front of him because that's what he wanted, that mm-hmm. it would uh, possibly make his feelings uh, arise. Uh, and with that, uh, there was just a constant stuffing down of not feeling free to be a girl. Yeah. And so uh, by 14, I started to save my lunch and babysit money to drink. I'm just really looking, as most of us do, something to kind of cope, to hide behind the pain of what we're going through. And at that time, uh, I, I mean, it didn't matter if it was football games, school, you know, in the middle of school, you'd go off to the girls' restroom and you had friends that always had booze or something, whiskey somewhere. Mm-hmm with that um and as time progressed i mean i can remember things by ages because i remember where i was in school you know and at at that time as well i thought about suicide uh things were getting so uh tense between my father and i the looks that he would give me that um just made me want to it just made me crawl inside It, it there was so much jealousy for who I was becoming as a young woman, that that's what grew intense. Uh, And then of course, when he began to wear my clothes. Uh, So as things were tightening up and feeling like it was kind of choking me, uh, God was so good as he honestly is with all of us if we just hang in there and hang on to him. Mm -hmm. Because at this time in my life, he had sent a young man, Mark, uh, that was, wanted to get to know me. He had an interest in who I was. And Mark was a Christian. And so the fact that Mark had come into my life and cared about me, wasn't like the other typical boys, Mm -hmm. uh, that drew an interest. It's like, he's different. There's something that's different about him. And through that relationship that helped me to hang on through the many journeys that still came on. I could tell people I came to Christ at 14. Did that make it all go away? No. Uh, You know, I even thought that it would. I thought my anger for my dad would go away. I thought the hatred that I had for what he was doing to our family would go away. Um, But it hadn't. And so I I continued to to stuff things down, uh, not saying anything to anybody. And yet, thought maybe dad was getting help because his family members were, were really good about sweeping things under the rug mm. and ending, you know, living in that denial. Um, but I realized on my wedding day when I went up to greet my dad and he looked at me and said, I wish it were me in that gown that he had not gotten any help, mm. that we were still in this very uh, ill place, um, a, a sick place for both of us, mm. for both of our hearts yeah. uh, with that. So it was just a constant journey for me, learning forgiveness that came years later. Uh, and uh, you know, looking back now, Gary, I wouldn't give I wouldn't give that pain up for anything because of what God's done with mm. it. Yeah. And I think 
matter what we go through in life, that when we offer it to Him, when we offer our pain, our journey, and just say, Lord, whatever you want. For some for some people, that's just living life in, in a normal way, but in a healthier way and in a more godly way because of what we learn from yeah. the journeys that we've been on. And I think that was part of mine, Gary. I, I don't know as if I'd have the heart for individuals that struggle with same-sex attraction or transgender issues without going through this and having a dad that I truly did love, but I also understood that there was much brokenness um, that occurred to, with him as a child. Mm. Yes. Well, that's huge, Denise. I mean, I, there's some things that you shared there that I, I, I've known you and I've known your story for a while, but um, there's, I think anytime we share our story, there's there's often something that um, uh, we haven't shared many times or that we don't know about. The, the emphasis, um, and I, I'm sure you do share this a lot because it's very important. I, I um, as many things as I think about with regard to uh, what it would be like to have um, a mom or a dad dealing with um, gender dysphoria or um, uh, transgenderism uh, as a as a young person, the the reality of what you had to carry, uh, the reality of what your dad put on you that you sh- frankly should never even had to have known about or worried about, um, but what he put on you and and the the pressure you felt of of naturally becoming the uh the person that he wanted to be um i yeah that had to have just been so heavy um and 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 the need to your your, the feeling of needing to suppress that in some way um that 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 cannot could not have been something that um i mean obviously it wasn't easy to deal with but i imagine that would have been one of the more difficult aspects of all that you were dealing with yeah, it, it really was. Um, and trying to figure out who you are, all kids have a difficulty in that yes. anyways. But when you're uh, when you feel that you have to suppress that femininity or that masculinity because of a parent's struggle, um, it, it is a huge weight. Uh, yeah. Often I've heard so many times through the last 20 years, people say, I don't know how you did it. Well, you know, I did it because I was able to talk with God throughout it. Mm-hmm. Now, I become born again until I was 15. I was raised Catholic. And so I did have a very firm foundation that God is real. And he was the one friend that I had. There were so many days when I'd look outside at that summer sky or those rainy days and looking up at the clouds, like you're looking up at heaven and saying, Lord, Mm -hmm. I don't know why this is happening, but I know you're with me. And I think that when we believe that in our heart, we, we can know it in our mind, but we have to connect it in our heart. That can make such a huge difference yep. that we aren't in this alone. Yep. Yep. Well, and I think also it's so true. And what I think you shared about not um, wanting to like go back and take away all the pain or take away the circumstance. I mean, nobody wants to go through that again. Nobody would ask to go through it in the first place, but it reminded me um, of what I now often say for myself, the very things that, I mean, I, I was so angry with God. I mean, I really hated God um, for, or at least who I perceived God to be, which frankly wasn't exactly, wasn't even close to who he was, but I was so angry with him um, and, and full of hatred. And yet, Yet he knew what he was um, not and he wasn't 
He was allowing this, my sin, he wasn't leading me into sin, he wasn't leading me into temptation. James, the book of James is very clear about that. But he was poised to take all of this brokenness and um, it, it both done to me as well as um, that which I later wound up engaging in myself. Uh, he was preparing me to do exactly what I'm doing today. And I feel like what I get to do in ministry uh, and, and partnering with people like you is, is what it was, what I was created for. Like it, it gives me joy. It gives me, um, it, uh, it, it, it's exciting to be involved in, in the kingdom of God. It's not, it's not easy. And, and certainly the space that we're living in now, there's a lot of encroachment on, um, you know, anti-Christian, anti, um, godly sexuality. I mean, all of that's true. Cancel culture very much, you know, growing rapidly. And, and there's ways in which that feels heavy. Um, but at the end of the day, the reality that God could take all of that brokenness and turn it around for something good for his kingdom and good for uh, both giving him glory and honor, but also um, giving other people hope. Th there's nothing there's nothing like that. I would not trade it either. So agree with you. Yeah. For people that can connect with you with what you had gone through in life to be there as a representation of God and God's right. love for them with a safe person, uh, you know, and that's that's the privilege and the honor that he's given us. Uh, and I don't think I, I definitely never, never dreamed that God would use what I'd gone through as I'm sure you had. In right. fact, you know, I say quite honestly that when the Lord called me into this type of work of, of ministry, I told him no for two years. <laughs> right. No, thank you. Yeah with them in, in a way that was so disrespectful mm -hmm. uh, and just, you know, my words to him is, no, I've been there. I've done that. You go find somebody else. Yes. Um, but when he uh, did not give up on me, God put such um, pressure uh, on my heart that it just, it honestly felt like a boulder, you know, was tied mm -hmm. around the chest. And that I, I couldn't get that weight off. And I finally then was left in a place to beg him and say, you either have to take this from me or you mm -hmm. have to open the door because I am a mm. small town girl and I have no idea what to do with this. Yep. Yep. Well, it, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, God, God, God is persistent, right? I mean, he, yes. uh, he does um, stay with it when he wants us to be, and, and for our good wants us to be involved in something. Uh, I mean, it is, you mentioned the word privilege and honor, um, uh, that it is an honor to be called into his kingdom and to, to come alongside of him, uh, where he's working. And, um, I, I think of that Henry Blackaby theme from experiencing God, you know, the workbook from years ago about finding where God is working and joining him there. Uh, I, I love that. And you mentioned the word honor, which again, comes back to the, um, uh, the theme of what we want to chat about a little bit today, which is humility and honor, uh, really in honor of, um, of God in honor of, of the, the way that he's designed us as human beings to flourish and the way he's designed us, not only as human beings, but as male and female made in his image. I believe that, uh, our ministry believes that, uh, that that's a, that God put his image in us of equal value, but a distinction between masculinity and femininity. And that there's, there's something of the feminine that, that I don't have. And there's something of the masculine that you don't have, but what we have is of equal value. And, and we, the idea, 
idea that we can lean into what that is, how to how within the church to live as men and women made in the image of God is is a, a glory and an honor that we get to experience. And it and in our day, it seems to me like. Um, what culture uh, is pushing us toward, uh, and 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 kind of molding even the the nature, even the church in many ways, molding us toward is kind of throwing off what it means to be human, made in the image of God, and just kind of embrace more of an animalistic perspective, certainly around sex and certainly around um, sex and identity. So, um, you know, in light of that, we're com- we're just a couple of days now away from uh, the kickoff of the month of June, which is really celebratory. I've Obviously, Pride Month for the LGBTQ uh, movement, activists, you know, etc. Um, and and yet, God, His word doesn't change. Um, he's unchanging, and He still calls us as His sons and daughters to really embrace and live in um, humility, not to live in um, uh, in pride and the celebrate. It's not just it is pride, but it's also the celebration of that which God calls sin. And so, I mean, what are your thoughts uh, around that topic coming into June? Yeah, you know, um, like you had said with pride, I think about, you know, the pride parades, right? You know, and mm-hmm. being prideful of the sinful actions, of the sinful mm-hmm. behaviors that are going forth. Um, pride, that shouldn't be part of our heart or our heart's desire to walk out pridefully mm-hmm. in our sin. Uh, there used to be a time in our world where we were uh, told or it was a message that sin or doing something wrong or, you know, that um, uh, something harmful uh, to oneself or to others, there was shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a sense of humility that was more of the message that we needed to hear about. Right. Uh, and the um, it's the opposite. And I think that honestly helps us, Gary, to realize what this is all about. When we look at um, the war that we're in, which we are, I feel we mm-hmm. are as Christians, as God's people standing for holy sexuality and gender, the worth of each person that's born, the, the creativeness that God has in each of us, and to create a message to be prideful and being able to recreate our bodies uh, to do whatever we wish sexually wise is, is a boundaryless world. There's no boundaries mm-hmm. in that. And that doesn't only dishonor God, but I wonder sometimes about the tears of God as mm-hmm. he looks at those that right. he loves so desperately because he sent his only son to die on the cross for them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we look at it spiritually, I really think that it helps us to realize what we're fighting against and to understand what we have to do to fight that battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, um, we know from Second Corinthians, uh, where Paul is writing about the topic that um, that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but, uh, you know, we're struggling against principalities and powers, um, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And and, and that we're actually called as Christians to tear down our own um, lofty speculation um, set up against the knowledge of God. And so we all have a role to play um, in 
in obeying, in honoring God, and in um, submission. You know, the, the, the pathway of life, the pathway of real joy isn't in reveling in sin, and it's not in embracing pride uh, and, and kind of putting shame down by detaching our hearts from it, but rather it's through this doorway of humility and it's through this doorway of surrender uh, to the one who, first of all, created us and designed us and knows us um, and, and what produces the greatest human thriving, but also to the one who gave his own life uh, to rescue us. So, um, yeah, I just think that, I mean, that's these are realities that are so essential. I was also reminded um, yesterday or the day before, I was thinking about um, the concept, really what you were just talking about a moment ago about this idea of recreating our own bodies. And what's interesting about that is that, you know, you would think that when you watch, uh, you know, programming, even, even, you know, so-called news uh, on the topic, it's this idea, you know, you see um, these magazines that have, you know, men who are, are, pretending to be women uh, or want to be women on the front cover. And, you know, it's it's the glamour shot. They're they're so so-called, you know, maybe gorgeous representations of women or they're a caricature often. And it's interesting that most men or many men um, who are dressing in drag and, and putting that on they're they're dressing in this kind of a horrendous character um, uh, caricature of what a woman is. It's more of like what you would see more in, in the area of prostitution or um, just a, a really um, vampy kind of uh, of woman, and and what's what's interesting to me is that of course God is a creator. God creates. He gives life. He speaks life. He breathes life. He he can take what is um, uh, that that is nothing and bring something into su- a substance to it. Whereas the enemy has no capacity to do that. Satan has no creative ability. All he can do is take what God has designed and distort it and twist it. We see that from the fall, you know, with Adam and Eve, we see that throughout the scriptures, we see that throughout history. And what we're seeing now, in my opinion, I believe, is that, you know, even with this idea of transgenderism, I think one of the reasons it's picked up so much steam is the the spiritual forces behind it that um, are taking this idea of creation. And, and here you have people who are boys and girls who are mutilating um, or doctors are mutilating their bodies, removing healthy body parts, um, installing, you know, if they're doing bottom surgery, um, putting in uh, just... Um, well, just doing great damage uh, to their bodies, um, uh, castrating boys, etc., uh, removing breasts from girls, and and setting them up for a lifelong need for medical interventions and for chemical um, washes that their body was never dis- um, uh, designed to take at those kind of levels. Girls were not designed to have um, testosterone pumped through their bodies. Boys were not designed to have estrogen pumped through their bodies and the the impact of that and so i i just look at that and 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 see really um our own stubbornness for sure behind it but also the enemy's hand behind taking god's good um created order and really bringing chaos to it that that doesn't produce any kind of real thriving yeah that, that's exactly what it is when we realize that satan he's not very creative himself so he's going to duplicate He's going to try to duplicate what God has created and to to twist that. Exactly what you said, Gary. I couldn't have said it any better. The Mm. fact that 
people, you know, we, we look at the magazines or the TV shows or whatever people look at and they think, oh, they've got such a great life. Oh, they're happy. They're, they're at peace. They say they're at peace. And I think, okay, how can you be at peace when they have to be on the testosterone or the estrogen the rest of their life? When a majority of them are on antidepressants and anxiety medicines the rest of their life. There is no free time away from drugs for them. Mm-hmm. And how many are going to counseling? How many uh, individuals that regret this? You know, eight yeah. to 10 years to 12 years later, after they've distorted their bodies and they try to come at peace between them and God of what they've done because then of the guilt, uh, the shame that they feel by, you know, to the creator himself. There's so much travesty underneath this deception. But, yes. you know, just the Target stores, right? People are supposed to go in. Oh, it's just like buying clothes. It's, it's such a false uh, perception of yep. what the reality really is behind the scenes. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And, um, you know, I, I, it makes, it really saddens me. I, I've known a number of people who have uh, embraced this journey of, um, well, well, let's just, let's just back up and talk about the reality that um, uh, LGBTQ is not the uh, the issue that's come on the scene that has uh, really messed up our world or has, um, uh, you know, in some ways caused problems in our churches or whatever. The truth is, I, I'm a firm believer and I love the church. Uh, I was a pastor, you know, uh, for 12 years in upstate New York and I, uh, on pastoral staff, and I um, uh, am a firm believer that where we're at in culture today really lies at the feet of the church. Uh, it's it's not the world's responsibility to be salt and light. It's the church's responsibility to be salt and light. And in in our churches, the reality of our compromise within the church that that we have also uh, the divorce rate in the church is not the same as in the world, but it's still way too high. Um, the uh, the the idea that I'm going to live for myself that basically okay I've I have prayed a prayer and, and maybe it was genuine in some cases in my case it certainly was not. I simply wanted fire insurance. I wasn't surrendering to anyone at the time um, until coming to Christ for real in my early 20s after making a wreck of my life. But um, how do we... um how do we help, I guess, in the in this process of, of being Christians, of, of being the church? How do we really help people engage in, um, in what's going to help them most thrive if we ourselves in the church are living lives that are compromised? We're often saying the right things. There's a lot of teaching and preaching and communication that's true and biblical, and yet so many Christians are living, the, I think the vast majority, not all sexual, but the vast majority of Christians are living double lives. We're living lives where we we vocalize what's true, but then we go back to our refrigerators and our pantries and we, we you know, devour or food to satisfy whatever is broken within, or we turn on our computers and and we engage in pornography and masturbation to somehow, you know, whatever the case is, we're, we are communicating one thing, but then living outside of the power of it. And I think it's a lot of what's opened the, the floodgates of where the, the world has become so confused because we're not offering, as the church, we, we have not offered a message 
of genuine hope for this life. Maybe we've talked about the afterlife and we've talked about not going to hell and going to heaven. But the main the main reason that Jesus came to to die for us was to break the power of sin in our life. That includes eternity, but that includes this life right now. And I think that we've really, as a church, have lived in a lot of compromise that's opened the door for a lot of this confusion. What are your thoughts about that, Denise? I, 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 boy, I couldn't say things any better than, than nope. what you're saying. I think uh, one of the things, too, when you said about how you uh, wanted the fire insurance, right? Yep. You didn't really lay down your life and, and submit to anybody. So I think in the church with people, we've become very comfortable in our sin in the things that we're doing that are not of, of God's best for mm-hmm. us. And in comfortableness, uh, we kind of, we go to church, we may feel guilty, that that's part of the problem, Gary. People mm-hmm. aren't fully surrendering to the Lord, whether it's their um, their struggles or their sinful behaviors. Mm-hmm. It's more of a way that makes them feel like they have, but let me go home and get back on the porn, you yep. know, or right. whatever it is that, that they're uh, so wanting uh, to do yep. and to look at. Yeah. Well, you know, Um, and you and I also over the years have both known people um, who have gone down this path of um, uh, trying to transition, which, of course, a man can never become a woman. A woman can never become a man. Um, A boy can never become a girl. A girl can never become a boy. The um, but we've known people who have gone down that pathway of pursuing that. And um, even if it even if they can pull off the look at a chromosomal level, they are still their biological gender, period. They're their biological sex. They're their biological gender. And as we've known people who have um, pursued that path, trying to find fulfillment, trying to find um, and, and why wouldn't they? I mean, there's so much quote unquote positive messaging around oh this is going to be the, the this is going to be what um, that you're looking for this is who you are this is going to solve all life's problems etc cetera, etc cetera. and and so talk about having these false promises that they're holding out there um, I'm I'm a an advocate to say conversion therapy is definitely happening, but it's happening in the other direction from what we usually hear that yeah. the only thing that's getting pushed is pro pro gay theology and um, pro LGBT, whatever. Uh, but it is as Christians, you know, even when someone comes to us, like in Canada, for example, somebody comes to a pastor in Canada, comes to a counselor in Canada, it's illegal now for them to even, you know, pray with them in a way that aligns with their right of self-determination or to give them any counsel that aligns with their right of self-determination, they're supposed to direct them back to someone who's only going to tell them what they don't want, which is you need to just embrace this feeling, embrace these desires, um, and 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 become part of the LGBT community. Again, to me, that's conversion therapy in the opposite direction. Having said all of that, I um, we know people that have gone down that road to one degree or another, whether it's social transition, whether it's chemical, hormonal transition, or even surgical, uh, even, even to the point of both top and bottom surgery and then they came to an awareness that this was never going to satisfy this was not um, and maybe for a period of time it felt like it did but like you said it's oftentimes 8 10 12 years later when the deepest sense of regret sets in and 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 there's a, there's a sense of doing irre- irreversible damage using Abigail Schreier's um, book that she wrote on this topic especially with girls using that phrase um, 
but we've known people that have actually surrendered their lives to Jesus and come back to a full agreement with who they are as as a, a biological uh, man or woman made in his image, even if they've done real damage to their bodies, they can still re-embrace who God created them to be. And most importantly, embrace him as both Savior and Lord. And I, that's, I want to leave this uh, mm-hmm. podcast with some with some hope that no matter how far you've gone down a path, uh, there's scars, there's things I wish that I'd never done that I had done that still impact me today. They don't, they're, the Lord is so gracious and I have a life that is so full and I'm so thankful for it. But even when you bear the scars of, of, um, of having done great damage or, or allowed great damage to be done to your body, the Lord is still calling you to pursue him, to find yeah. him, to surrender to him and, and give him your life. What are your thoughts uh, around that topic, Denise? Um, you know, I remember, first of all, with my dad, 13 years later, living as Becky and looking like this elderly woman, his words uh, before he passed away was, mm. uh, these were his own words, this, this transitioning did not bring me the satisfaction that I thought that it would. Yes. And so I'm like, bingo, you know, right there is from somebody that lived this life that nobody mm-hmm. would have known as a biological male, thinking mm-hmm. the whole time happened to dad while he was away well they'll figure out who he is because you know dna testing the science behind but to offer the hope you know of of those that uh, have transitioned that maybe are haven't transitioned but they're just trying to figure out who they are to just know of god's goodness um, you know, there's a story of Evie that I had the, the honor to walk with her three years as she detransitioned. But this mm-hmm. took a, a, a team, yes. you know, there was a team that we surrounded around her. And if I was, I had to be out of the country. So I had a team behind her when she was going off the testosterone so that she, mm-hmm. these were so that she wouldn't feel um to go with her feelings, which would be to take more of the testosterone, mm-hmm. to have a team of a church that worked with her, with an elderly couple that went to the courthouse when she went to go get her name, her birth name back, mm-hmm. to have another team of gals that helped her in relationship to going into the women's restroom to be comfortable with that and, yep. and how they had practiced that out to another gal that understood uh, that she was not a girly girl, you know, mm-hmm. that she, she would never and was never comfortable in frilly things. Yes. But would go into the women's department to have somebody that understood the anxiety that I could create and how to go about mm-hmm. it. People, we can become a teamwork around the individual yes. to help them see that they are loved, that they are not discarded because we have all made mistakes. Yep. And we yep. still make mistakes. There's not one of us that's perfect the hope of Christ. And if they go to a church where they feel um, maybe disrespected as, as a human being, then yes. leave that church. Don't be angry at God, but leave that church and find another one. Yeah. And understand that it's the people there. It's not God himself. We yes. don't want, my heart would never want anybody to feel that God disregards them as people do because they fail in yes. offering grace and the understanding behind these issues. So true. So true. It reminds me of the reality that um, it was it was finally coming into a men's group at a church, which is the last place on earth I wanted to be, uh, but coming into a men's group and God used these guys to to really um, tap into and they didn't have a clue of what they were doing, but to really tap into this latent 
seed of masculinity that my dad had never understood how to activate. Um, but these guys, um, God just used them in the, as a community of men who just loved me, shared their own struggles and brokenness with me, took me under their wing, didn't treat me like I was um, some bizarre freak, like I'd been treated um, so many times at other churches in the past. And it, it was really in that acceptance of me as a person um, um, without accepting uh, sin, without accepting the idea idea or a broken identity as being a gay man, for example, that, um, that really there was God redid and, and, uh, recreated so much in me that I thought had been lost and could never be recovered. So there's so much that the church can do and you don't have to have degrees in human sexuality. I mean, it's great. We, we need counselors who are well equipped, uh, to work with people for sure. Uh, we need to know when to escalate and make sure that other people are getting involved in something that that's over our heads. But the truth is along with counseling, along with good pastoral care, people just need communities that are, that love them. And of course, the, the definition of love we've we've totally screwed that up love is not love um mm-hmm. the, the the tagline that runs around first corinthians 13 chapter 6 of course we have this whole litany of what love is and what love is not and we all love that but then in verse 6 it says love does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth um the the too many christians are accommodating aren't just affirming people for their for their personhood and the reality that they're image bearers of God, but they're also affirming behavior that is actually not causing thriving for that person, that is actually contrary to God's word, and that biblically is not actually loving. So, um, yeah, I, we, we want to be a church that is available to to really walk with broken, hurting people. I mean, that's what Jesus came to to rescue, right? He came for the sick. He came for the lost. Um, and he makes that clear over and over and over again. He did not come for the self-righteous or for those who are absolutely you know, headlong determined that no matter how I live my life, no matter what kind of sexual stuff I do, I am just fine. I'm perfect. There's nothing wrong with me whatsoever. That also sets that person outside of the, of the care, at least at that point in their life of what Jesus can offer to them. And uh, so again, it, it really is not about pride and arrogance and celebration of sin. The doorway of real healing, the doorway of real freedom comes through humility and honor of God, honor of one another, honor of our own selves made in the image of God. And and this is a message that, that just runs counter to the culture right now, that's for sure. So... Denise, I just so am so thankful for you and so thankful for our friendship um, and, and yeah, just the work that you're doing and all that you're pouring out. How can, um, tell us for a little bit uh, what you're doing as far as writing and, the, and uh, whatever you want us to know about the ministries that you're overseeing and how people can get in touch with you from this podcast. Yeah, so writing uh, the recent, in the last recent years, has been writing children's series that are tackling the lies that they are being fed from the LGBT, that if you, if a boy likes to play piano, you know, then that's too feminine, that's too Um, gayish, or perhaps boys more into fashion or the girl wants to learn a certain sport in comparison and, and so the books are meant to tackle the, the very lies that they're being fed in society but to build them up in a biblical way and yep. to leave biblical references for the parents the most recent book that's been probably the most challenging of the children's books uh, that i just released uh, is titled i want my sister back and so mm-hmm. this book is tackling when a older sister 
wants to transition and has an older brother that's okay with it. So we're getting into the real facts of the situations families are facing today. But what about the little girl? What about, you know, Ava that's trying to comprehend what's Mm. happening? Um, And so it, uh, the story will, you know, continue on with a couple additions uh, that will follow. Um, But it's uh, a message, the messages that God impresses on my heart to write on. He's been so good to guide the pen uh, and and to continue to to work in this area as long as he calls me to. Um, So I have two ministries, uh, Health for Families, which focuses on the transgender issue. And then Living Stones Ministries, which is there to support families of those that have mm-hmm. loved ones identifying as homosexual. Mm-hmm. And both of these ministries are meant for family members. They come alongside of different resources, annual conferences, support groups, online groups, studies, um, just really trying to see what is the need. You know, do they need pastoral support? Something new that we'll be announcing here is um, that I finally had gone through and been certified as a life coach in grief. Mm. So, will be added to to help the families yes in the midst of or the beginning of their grief of their mm-hmm. situation we just uh I, I say we because i feel like it takes a team just like having you gary as a friend and a colleague mm-hmm. we all want god's goodness uh for the people that contact us we want them to have god's healing to know yes. god as you and i know him as their healer as their fortress that they yeah. can run to um, and so we just try to help families however that we can. That's great. And what's the best way to reach out to you if anyone's interested? Uh, sure. Um, really, if they go to www.help with the number four families.org, it'll actually bring up either site. There'll be great. a landing page. So whichever issue they may be having to struggle with in okay. their family. Well, hey, um, I, I was sincere in what I was praying about earlier. I'm, I'm really um, praying for and, and trusting that there's going to be um, an oasis, uh, again, even if it's a busy, crazy schedule, but that God's going to grease the skids and is going to move some things forward uh, in a way that you really had the enemy coming against you in some you know recent days and weeks. So bless you in that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this Love and Truth Network podcast. To listen to or watch future episodes, please check us out at loveandtruthnetwork.com forward slash podcast. Also, you can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and we look forward to seeing you in a future episode.